0: This is Express FM. Supported by Portsmouth College,
1: we are passionately Pompey. We look forward, work together to create a Portsmouth football club that we can all be proud to be associated with. Pure, unadulterated Pompey. It's a massive club, it's a massive opportunity for me. I know this atmosphere is special. I can't wait to see a full house in it rocking. Action and reaction. This is a huge football club. We're here to be hopefully successful. The infrastructure's changing, so really we want to start pushing forward and making Portsmouth a real force. Giving Pompey fans a
2: voice. It's a club with a rich tradition, a rich heritage, but one that has an excellent relationship with its supporters. This is the Football Hour.
3: The one team that stands out that's historic, that's had great success, that has a fan base that is amazingly passionate, is Portsmouth.
4: Another season here on Express FM comes to an end. The Blues ended their 2021-2022 League One campaign in tenth position, below the target set by the fans and owners alike. On tonight's show, the final football hour of the season, we'll be hearing from club directors Andy Redman.
5: We believe we fielded a competitive squad this season. Obviously, the results are you know not acceptable in that sense, right? We not only did not achieve automatic promotion, we didn't make the playoffs.
4: And Eric Eisner. We
3: want to take each step and I've really adopted the no relegation theory that the style and the players have to fit well enough that when you get promoted you're ready to be promoted so you're ready to compete in the next year
4: as well as Chief Executive
2: Andy Cullen I think we'd be relatively pleased with the way the season finished uh, between the end of January and the end of the season we ended up with 35 points in the last 19 games after the window shut,
6: that is promotion form.
4: Manchester City loanee Gavin Bazunu will also be featuring with his final interview as a upon Player.
6: I couldn't have asked for anyone better to work with than the staff here, you know, Danny and Nikki and the rest of the staff, Pokey, have all been absolutely brilliant with me and I've loved every moment of it.
4: That's all to come before 7 o'clock, but first, a reminder of how the past nine months have unfolded here on Pompey Live.
0: Happy new season, and it feels like a new dawn as well. A new head coach in charge of Portsmouth. And finally, for the first time in nearly 18 months, fans allowed back in large numbers inside the stadium. Brown on his left foot. Brown, he scored! Lee Brown! And Portsmouth start the season with a victory on the road here at Fleetwood. Shot, goal, George Savile. Turned it round for Millwall. Portsmouth's spell in the League Cup this year is a brief one. It's amazing how something that once seemed so normal can suddenly feel so special. Fratton Park in the sunshine, filled with Pompey supporters. Marcus, Marcus Hackett, fair shot in the middle, but Marquis scores himself. Harness, harness across goal and in. Portsmouth have beaten Crew by two goals to nil. Chance for Tannacliff, deflected shot into the net. Portsmouth have won three games in a row to start the season for just the second time in 33 years. A far post for Lang, he scored. Wigan. Beaten Portsmouth by a goal to nil. Portsmouth's unbeaten start to the season has come to an end.
1: For us to be a team that this club deserves and for us to achieve what everyone associated with this club wants to, we're definitely two or three sure. I feel like now is an important step
6: for me to get men's football in my in my legs, experience in my, in my body, you know, and just growing in my mind, my technical ability. It's important for me to just take a new step in my career.
0: Great save Eastwood, follow up in the net goal for Wimbledon. They've lost this one by five goals to three. Curtis to deliver, whipped in low towards the near post, deflected it in! John Marquis! Good delivery, Marquis is saved. save, Marquis scores! They have hammered the side, top of the table with just one defeat and they've beaten Sunderland by four goals to near. Portsmouth have been beaten by four goals to one. Booze allowed and they ring around Fratton Park. They've been beaten by four goals to nil for the second consecutive game. It's a disaster, it really is, I'm afraid. Loose, Marcus with a flick, He scored! And Portsmouth are back to winning ways. They have beaten Bolton.
1: It was an important win. I don't think we'll have a more important three points all season. Hopefully that now gives us something to build on. Portsmouth
0: against Harrowborough, FA Cup, first round. There's the goal. Portsmouth have beaten Harrowborough by a goal to nil. And Jacob shot! he scored! Michael Jacobs equalises! Portsmouth continue their fine run of form. They've beaten AFC Wimbledon by two goals to one. It's Jacobson against Bass. Pompey needing their backup goalkeeper. Jacobson steps up. Straight up Bass! And he grasps it to his stomach. Straight down the middle. Bass didn't move. Catches the ball. Penalty saved. Still nil-nil. Hurst making a run down the left-hand side. He's onside. And Hurst is in behind. And it's a chance for George Hurst for Portsmouth. He squares it. Harness! It's in! Wickham nil, Portsmouth one, cleared away, final whistle goes and Portsmouth have beaten Wickham Wanderers by a goal to nil here at Fratton Park. Portsmouth continue their fine run of form. They've beaten AFC Wimbledon by two goals to one. Hurst at the near post, looking for Hurst, good defending, loose. Harness, it's in the net. Portsmouth have found the breakthrough, and Harness is on target yet again. Harness, looking for Curtis in the penalty area. Hurst is square, Hurst, there it is. First EFL goal for George Hurst. Hackett. He's going to take it and send it straight into the wall and have a second go and put it in the back of the net. And that's the cherry on the top. Lincoln nil, Portsmouth 3. Lovely from Jacobs. Across the face of goal and in! It's going to go down as an own goal! Portsmouth have won six
1: games in a row. They've beaten Gillingham. I'm really pleased for everybody associated with the club because it's been tough and we're, we're now six wins on the trot, nine unbeaten, and we're fighting exceptionally hard.
0: If Pompey can overcome Harrogate today, then they'll reach the FA Cup third round for the fourth consecutive year. The cross is going to come in, there's three waiting. It must be in, and Harrogate have stolen it in the 94th minute. Harrigan are going to the third round of the FA Cup for the first time? Round the goalkeeper, the angle's tight, still there. Hurst cleared off the line and in. Charlie, how's that not got in? It is now. Deep towards the far post and it's not in, down and in. And there is that headed goal. Connor Ogilvie's first for the club. Portsmouth return to winning ways after their midweek draw with Sheffield Wednesday. They have beaten Morecambe the last afternoon of the Christmas holidays to enjoy and Cambridge will be getting the game underway they have held Portsmouth to a draw it's finished goalless EFL trophy second round games Jacob steps up delivers with his right foot good delivery headed into the net and Ronan Curtis has scored he becomes Portsmouth's highest goal scorer of the 21st century surpassing Yakubu there's still time on the clock we're into minute 90 it on his left foot, still it, still it. Curtis, goal! Portsmouth win it! In injury time, lightning does strike twice. Exeter on the ground, broken. And again, Portsmouth have broken their hearts in the EFL Trophy. It's Exeter two, Portsmouth three. Cambridge have beaten Portsmouth by two goals to one here in the EFL Trophy third round and it's blocked by Ogilvy, still there for MK, what a goal! Absolutely brilliant strike. Portsmouth have still been beaten here at home. Carter under pressure, in danger of giving the ball away outside his penalty area, and he has, and Stewart's got a chance. Great opportunity, Sunderland lead. And Portsmouth are beaten by one goal to nil, it's an own goal. It's been headed past his own goalkeeper Gavin Bazunu by Clark Robertson, it's Portsmouth Neil Charlton two.
1: You know, you have to play for 90 minutes. We didn't do that. They scored with probably their first attempt on goal and then our response after conceding was nowhere near what it needs to be. We have to be more resilient in the moment. The football you guys play is absolutely the type of football
6: I want to be involved in. Um, you get passing around, you know, you go direct, you've you got runners and got energy and um, you create a lot of chances so that's perfect for my game. Oxford United against
0: Portsmouth. Portsmouth. Morrell is apologising. A red card! It is a red card!
2: No! Wow!
0: And it's a great chance for Curtis! And Roland Curtis has scored for Portsmouth! Which Bizzunu can't save! And Portsmouth's hearts have been broken. It's Oxford 3, Portsmouth 2. And Jacobs has got a chance! And Jacobs has scored! And Portsmouth get their first maximum haul of the year in early February. Hackett puts his... Right hand firmly in the air, and lost it to the far post, Braggart! 4-0, and Thompson scores a brilliant goal from Lewis Thompson, his first for Portsmouth. Portsmouth have ground out a 2-1 victory against the 10 men of Shrewsbury Town. Trying to do some defending, and it's 3-0, and Portsmouth are going to need a miracle to find a way back into this game. Hurst might have another chance. O'Brien! He's done it! Pumpier level! Aidan O'Brien! In the 95th minute! It is Fleetwood three, Portsmouth three.
1: I can feel that the group is coming together. Human connections always take time, but I do feel the group coming together and we now have two really important home games, Tuesday against Oxford and Saturday against Atkinson.
0: Carter picks it up for Portsmouth, cries of shoot, and he will hit it, and he'll score! An absolutely magnificent goal! Where on earth did that come from? And Portsmouth have beaten Oxford by three goals to two. Oh, Oh, steady. That's a nasty challenge from Harness. I think he might go here. Referee marching across to Marcus Harness and shows him a red card. Brilliant from O'Brien, Tannercliff scores! Beating Accrington by four goals to nil. Hurst goes up, Hurst scores, true nil, Poppy three. And Portsmouth have got themselves a very useful point away at Ipswich Town. There's only so many times that a point is going to be good enough for them between now and the end of the season. Place Thompson into trouble, and there's real danger for Pompey. Camera lays it off. Hardy into the net. Plymouth lead. Plymouth have beaten Portsmouth, and Portsmouth's playoff hopes have suffered a major blow. Morrell standing it up towards the far post, keeper comes a long way, doesn't get near it, loose ball, chance for Hurst, 3-0! And Pompey are heading for a much needed three points, 4-3, Rotherham nil. Portsmouth against Lincoln City in League One, and Raggett has it, cries of shoot, I'm not sure he's going to do that, he will on his left foot, it's fumbled, Curtis will put it in, and Pompey at the lead again! Corner comes in, Bazunu claims it, drops it, put in the back of the net! And in the 93rd minute, Portsmouth have conceded an equaliser. Portsmouth are formally condemned to a
7: sixth consecutive season of League One football. Might just put it straight in, he does put it straight in. And the header, Robertson! for three, Gillingham one, chipped in, header! Wigan Athletic take the lead, and it's Lang with the goal, and it opens up nicely, and it's put into the back of the net, and Wigan Athletic extend their lead from Keane. Five players around Harness, but Harness wins it back here, plays it across, there's Hurst, there's the goal! Pompey do get the goal, and there is life in this match after all. Well, that's really got Pompey going now, and now they win it back, and they score again from Hurst! Would you believe it? Pompey have only gone and scored two goals in three minutes. Intelligent run left to the six-yard box. He's got options here. He goes it alone. It's saved from Amos. And it comes back again to O'Brien. Oh, he scored! Would you believe it? Wigan was supposed to be having a promotion party here at Fram Park. But they might not be now. Portsmouth three, Wigan two. The final match of the season. As we get this match underway now, can Curtis keep it in play? He just about can. It comes back. Oh, and it's in! It's that man. It had to be George Hurst, dodging across there to go. Wednesday have got the equaliser. Berahino might pick up the pieces. He's going to finish for Sheffield Wednesday. Good trickery. Puts him across. Goal for Sheffield Wednesday, it's Story with the touch. Windass on the near post, it's headed in. Sheffield Wednesday go 4-1-up, and it's Fires who finds the back of the net. And it's in the end, unfortunately, a miserable end for Porter's campaign. A recap
4: there of how the Blues 2021-22 season unfolded here on Pompey Live. Okay, coming up later this evening, we've got Pompey Chief Executive Andy Cullen on the show as well as the final interview as a Blues player with Gavin Bazunu. But before all of that, in the next part of the show, we'll finally be listening to my recent interview with Andy Redman and Eric Eisner, who both review the year gone by and reveal their ambitions for the next 12 months and beyond. We
5: believe players who arrive here will have a better experience. They will be in both nicer facilities and ones that are aspirationally well above where we are
3: currently. For sure we're going to field a competitive squad. I think the fact that we're over right now is a big thing. We're spending a lot of time with Danny and Nikki, trusting us that with the new style of play, we're going to get the players that fit that new style of play more to their liking.
4: Stick around to hear that big interview with Andy and Eric, as well as plenty more to come before 7. You're listening to The Football Hour, here on Express FM.
3: This
0: is The Football Hour, 93.7 express fm welcome
4: back to tonight's helping of the football hour here on 93.7 express fm driven to you this season by stagecoach across the south getting you through Hampshire and across the South Coast affordably and with ease. Check out more over at stagecoachbus.com. As we have come to the conclusion of Pompey's campaign, we also have to bring an end to another season of the Football Hour. And as such, we've decided to bow out with a full review of the past nine months and look ahead to what we hope to be a more successful go at promotion starting in the summer. We've just heard the highlights of the season gone by, but now it's time to get an update from those who pull the strings from the very top. Recently, local press were invited to Fratton Park to talk to club directors Andy Redman and Eric Eisner about the Blues campaign and ambitions for next season. Here's our interview with them in full. Eric, Andy, it's great to see you both. Thank you for inviting us down to speak to you this afternoon. We'll dive straight in then. Uh, Another season falling short of the playoffs, now set to enter a sixth year in League One this summer. Now, the improvement and upkeep of the club infrastructure appears to be the priority at the moment, but what message would you give to supporters who will be expecting a bit more of a competitive squad next season?
3: I think for sure we're going to field a competitive squad. I think uh, the fact that we're over right now is a big thing. We're spending a lot of time with Danny and Nikki. Uh, We have planned to hire a head of football operations, which won't really affect right now because the hire won't be in place for summer planning. Um, That said, trusting us that with the new style of play, we're going to get the players that fit that new style of play more to their liking uh, once season more long in the development of the players that they liked with that style of play. Uh, and all of a sudden, you're getting better and better. Yeah, the one thing, let me just add there, the way
5: you asked the question was, it seems like infrastructure is the priority. That is not true. Infrastructure has shown the most improvement over the last 12 or 24 months. There's no way to debate that. However, we spend tons of time on the players, with tons. the manager, with the CEO, and, you know, we believe we fielded a competitive squad this season. Obviously, the results are, you know, not acceptable in that sense, right? We, we not only did not achieve automatic promotion, we didn't make the playoffs. So there's no question to say that, you know, we're, we are disappointed not to have been more competitive because the season is now gone. So I, I think that is true. Um, I think the point about the infrastructure is – uh you see more of the progress because logically the way you do this work when you're in our shoes is there's a large amount that goes into planning and one of the things you realize as you do the planning is it's quite efficient if you can line up a number of projects sort of one then the next and the next so when we did the work in the upper and lower north it is thoughtful to already have the plan for the milton stand Mm -hmm. because while the two won't link in the sense that Away and Home Supporters are going to sit together, there are parts of those stands that will link, for example, an elevator that will take someone who's in a wheelchair up to a level that they can get into the Milton Stand or they can get into the North Stand. So some of that, it maybe it looks like it's only our focus now. It's really work that's been in process for almost five years now, and we're just at a point that a lot of the project part of it actually happens. And so, you know, I I, I guess I just don't want people to think that overwhelmingly our focus is the infrastructure. Certainly relative to other uh, owners, we are very focused on getting Pompey the right infrastructure. And I understand, you know, for 30 years here, you had owners who, if they ever talked about it, they never followed up on it. So it wasn't really the same where when we talk about it, we do actually follow up on it. So, so I guess it, it it is different in terms of the things that we talked about. We are following up on there, but it's not that all of a sudden, in particular, twelve months ago, we spent all our time thinking about infrastructure, and then all these things were built. Um, it's it's sort of just happenstance. And you know, I I wish this season was the season
4: we finished top of the table and we're promoted. Also, yeah. um, anyway. Mm. So spending within the club's means has been the objective since your arrival and sustainability is certainly welcomed here after what the club has been through under previous ownership. However, over the last few years, we've seen some of the team's best performance and biggest assets leave for what's been reported at least as financial reasons. And we've also seen some of the club's top transfer targets join league rivals for similar reasons. How will the club be trying to combat this heading into the summer window to ensure Pompey do get the top target signed? Want to take
5: the first well, yeah, so the, the first part of that question, I can actually – like I don't story.
4: think a single player has left
5: here for financial reasons. There is not a single player who left here saying, well, I would stay for X, and we all chose – well, we can't afford X. Um, the right decisions on Matt Clark or Jamal Lowe, letting them play in higher divisions or whatever, um, and the right decisions on – players who, you know, either weren't achieving what the manager wanted in terms of, you know, like a John Marquis or Ellis Harrison or whatever. So I I don't want to categorically say, because maybe I'm wrong on one player, but I don't, I can't pick out any single player who left because of financial reasons. I think we believe we will always be fielding a competitive team. Um, That said, it is true for a player who is ambitious and actually achieving certain things if the club is not equally achieving something at a level that they they can be playing at <clears throat> they they may you know want to leave but but so far we've been able to solve those uh you know generally in a way that works for both both parties the club and that and that player um, but I mean I'm also happy to answer about particular players as much as I know but i don't I don't think that's been the case
3: and the, the second part was was players that other people have targeted that we've gone after and so there's a price on each player, you know, and if we're going to chase the game where people are overpaying, that just fuels the insanity of the the football association that we don't we're against. Not against, but we don't want to fuel. So when a player starts to skyrocket, we're in it, and the football operations has a price that they want to pay for him. But if it gets out of control, we're not going to chase that. No.
5: Yeah, and I mean, look, as a general rule, we, we've talked to everybody in, internally about like. We want to be efficient buyers. We, so there are lots of players out there, and we've chased a handful of them. But into the stratosphere, to Eric's point, like, it, it's not, A, the way we want to operate with that particular player. But frankly, more importantly, it's not the way we would want the locker room to think, uh, well, chance, yeah, that yeah. one player is that, and the rest of us are this other thing. Like yeah. We would like a consistency of planning. Um, and again, this is one where we don't, at the end of the day, Eric and I aren't making the decision between an absolute specific wage or whatever. But I think our management staff, tied to our managers and recruiting and and scouting staff, are relatively aligned with that. So I don't actually think uh, we've had any big problem. But it is true that some player, you know, if if they get six offers from six different clubs – it is very possible they end up somewhere else because they wanted to chase them into the stratosphere.
3: It's not always the pay. Some people want to be in the north because their family's up north. It's like there's so many factors that go into this. Everybody only talks about the pay. You know, Each player is an individual circumstance, and it has to all work out. And uh, a lot of people do like to come to the South Coast, so that's good
4: so I know you just mentioned the ultimate goal is to get the club as high as possible into the championship and one day perhaps back into the Premier League but where do you see Portsmouth Football Club in five years time?
3: Uh, we don't want to put time frames on anything That's the, we've started to realise that that's not a, especially a pandemic just happened and we lost two years so putting time frames on stuff is kind of um, steady growth is the is the overall plan uh, it's the, the, the mentality of viability that begets investment into the club not into your pocket to each step it's becoming a bigger and bigger club obviously the two leagues there's obvious steps above us so we want to take each step and I've really adopted the no relegation theory that the, the the style and the players have to fit well enough that when you get promoted you're ready to be promoted so that you're ready to compete in the next year Yeah,
5: and the only one thing I want to add is I do think this is one where it's easier to answer the other question you asked earlier around infrastructure right so that is a place where over five years, right, effectively all of the this phase will be fully done. Most noticeably to fans, unquestionably, will be here at Fratton Park because this is where they come on a Saturday or a Tuesday or whatever. But also we're doing similarly a lot of work over at Roco on the training ground. So when you think about over five years, like we believe players who arrive here will have a better experience. They will be in... You know, both nicer facilities and one sort of ones that are aspirationally well above where we are currently, right? And similarly, the match day experience should hopefully be that. So, more seats than when when we acquired the club, and you know, significantly more, and a better, uh, basically, overall experience on match day in terms of you know, with the vials and seat quality and just lots of other metrics. Um, so that is easier to answer because while, again, aspirationally, of course, we're talking about promotion, it is harder to specifically align those things to specific timeframes. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're working as hard every day to, as we can to, you know, grow the club.
4: You mentioned there phase one of the redevelopment of Fratton Park. When that is all complete, are there already plans in place to start phase two later, Zamberline?
5: No, and and this is where I would say, well, it depends on how you view the phases. So like the actual phase one, we would have told you, was actually earlier things that we did that would have looked, some fans may not have even noticed, but they look kind of quote-unquote minor. Like, for example, the South Stand had... Fire concerns. Okay, I can't really get I'm that much more specific.
3: That's phase two. Phase one was figuring out the strategy for Fatten Park. Yeah. So yeah. Phase two was what yeah. He's phase saying. two was the
5: first, and again, it would have looked like minor infrastructure. I mean, it's quite expensive to redo the entire cladding of a stand, and then add uh, you know lights at the top of it and so forth. Um, we also did this. One. We did right. We did the scoreboard. We also did the uh, cladding to all of the north stand. We. Built what is now the Nike store, right? So, which is really the club store. But so, so those were all in phase one or two. Uh, but I think really what you're referring to is in terms of massive infrastructure, this big build. So it will be um, lots of work on the North Stand, lots of work on the South Stand, and effectively an entire scrape of the Milton End with a brand new Milton End that will have things it's so, never
3: had before. So, phase three, North Stand. Even 3.5, north stand upper, south stand lower, starting. Then the next phase is now south stand. And then that'll snake around to the Milton end, and that'll go its way to Milton end. So then you're about stage five, in my opinion.
5: Yeah, but so depending on what phase, if, if you're saying, okay, at the end of this, which ends roughly next summer, so summer of 2023, all of those things that which people is, have already seen in process. is quick by the way,
3: keep on mm. but that's, yeah. you're going to see progress very quickly. Especially with the pandemic.
5: Yeah. yeah. well, You're going to yeah. see it yeah. quick. Yeah. yeah. If
3: you're in Portsmouth, you're going to see this yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. yeah. But so that, here at
5: Fratton Park, the real next thing I think that people are talking about and like in their minds what would be next is a vastly larger north stand. That effectively can't happen without major infrastructure in and around the city that has kind of nothing to do with us. I mean, we are a proponent of it. So is the Pompey Center. Um, but but absent those things, you'd have a very hard time ever bringing you know, 28,000 people to this area of the city, whether or not it had anything to do with a football match. Um, it, it really would be a problem without these steps in infrastructure. So are we continuously talking to the groups who can actually make those decisions? Yes, but we can't put any time frame on that because absent them doing something, you almost cannot do anything beyond – what we're doing here um
3: that said that's also why we do have a lot of work going on at roco and and this becomes six seven eight nine ten and it starts with strategy you know this will be a phase and then it'll be pompey center it will be the the network rail getting not just for us for the whole congestion down there in the city to make the city better um and i think with the pompey center company in and all this stuff that again strategizing so that's Down the road, but that's six, seven, eight, nine,
4: ten. Yeah, so moving on to the academy now, which is a big area fans are perhaps hoping to hear more news about soon. We've seen over the last few years new pitches, facilities, and now a new academy manager, too. But are there any plans in the future to maybe take it one step higher to perhaps be able to compete with our local rivals here in the south?
3: Strategy phase, then we have to decide what to do. Um, what didn't realize how much thinking we had to put into it, I think. Phase 1 is a safe environment for kids to learn football. I mean that's that's the foundation of everything. Beyond that we get into now developing players and then eventually to developing to the first team. Uh how we get there we're still we see the holes, we see the positives. Um so strategy phase. No, oh, look I think I
5: think that's actually a very good summary. I mean we're um the the project is a lot larger than we might have assumed originally. We're excited to have Greg Miller aboard and, and really, um, you know, very thoroughly engaged in it. And, and it'd be hard to give more comment than that. So.
4: And finally now, with COVID not quite a thing of the past, it is still there, of course, but with travel restrictions eased and more opportunities to come over to Fratton Park, are there plans in place for next season and beyond for yourselves to attend more games and meet with fans in person, as was the case prior to the pandemic?
3: Well, Andy and I came four times a year. So the plan's back on as yeah. long as we can come back. So, yes. I mean, that's an easy question to answer. Yeah.
6: yeah. Yes. So, exactly. <laughs> yes.
5: Yeah. So, I mean, look, this is one where I would tell you as an owner slash fan, right? Which, which we all are. Um, it was really hard to not be here for 26 yeah. months. And, you know, I, I know, you know, Michael, it's really hard for him not to be on the strip that said you have a global pandemic and to respect you know both countries and local communities and so forth i mean i think we made the right decision canceling prior plans to come which we had it many times in a normal world absolutely we are here you know four or five six times a year for extended periods of time um That is only dependent, really, on a pandemic, I I think, at this moment. Of course, if you'd asked me that question one day before the pandemic, I would have said, of course we will be. So unless there's some other great global event that changes it. No, uh, yeah, we cannot wait to be back. I suspect, again, other than the pandemic, we'll be back for the start of the season. Uh, We really, really miss uh, coming here as frequently as we did. This trip is our first time meeting Andy Cullen in person. This trip is our first time meeting Danny and Nikki Cowley in person. Uh, Those are shocking things to say for a group who prides itself on you know, being directly involved. And uh, you know, we think we made the right decisions not coming at the times we didn't come, but yeah, we can't wait to be back
4: so that was my chat with club directors Andy Redman and Eric Eisner from our meeting at Fratton Park a short while back a big thanks on record to them for both speaking to us and arranging the interviews with the local press during their visit from the states right then it is time for one final break now but when we come back we've got another interview to share with you this time with Pompey CEO Andy Cullen who wants to maximise on the opportunity to build on the form shown toward the end of the season into the next
2: I think the platform's there going into next season you know we can look at the steady progress that's been made. Big summer in front of us. We probably won't have the same amount of turnover in terms of players as we had last year, but obviously we've got a number of positions we need to add to and improve on.
4: We'll hear from Andy very shortly, as well as Gavin Bazunu's final interview as a Pompey player, when the Football Hour returns for the final time this season here on Express FM.
2: This is the Football Hour 93.7
0: Express FM
4: a very good evening and welcome back to Express FM for the final part of tonight's edition of the football hour the show made for Pompey fans by Pompey fans which is brought to you by Stagecoach South. download the app today to locate your nearest stop and even prepay for your journey to before seven o'clock, we're going to hear the final interview held with Manchester City loanee Gavin Bazunu as a Blues player. But before we do, it's time to catch up with club chief executive Andy Cullen. I met with him at Fratton Park just this morning to gather his reaction to Pompey's season now that the dust has almost settled. Andy, great to see you. Thank you for seeing me today. So a 10th place finish in League One for Pompey this season, undoubtedly below where we'd all hope to be. How would you assess what you've seen on the pitch over the last 10 months?
2: Well, I think um, we went into the season uh, very much describing it as a year of transition. Um, I think the first thing to recognise is we have had twenty new faces come into the building um, since uh, since last June uh, in terms of players. So uh, across across that window and across January in, in any football club, that that's an immense amount of um, uh, people coming in, and that was necessary because obviously uh, Danny and Nicky had come in as new coaches. They were looking to transition to a new style, a new philosophy in terms of what they wanted to uh, sort of impose on Portsmouth Football Club. And so we get that sense of identity as to where we're going and you recruit players accordingly. Um, So, um, as I said, I think we were looking at the process. I think everybody sort of bought into the fact that it's going to take about three windows to get it right. Um, So, yeah, we moved into uh, from the summer, we moved into January. Uh, I think. You know, we'd be relatively pleased with the way the season finished uh, between the end of January and the end of the season. Uh, we ended up with 35 points from the last 19 games after the window shut. Um, that is promotion form. Um, and uh, But we were in a really weird situation this year in League One where the points t- total uh, was incredible. I don't think uh, 83 points has been needed since, uh, since the 90s uh, to qualify for the playoffs. Uh, so we had a very, very polarised uh, division. And you're quite right, we finished in 10th. We you know we wanted to finish much higher than that. We wanted to be challenging right at the end, as Sheffield Wednesday were doing uh, last weekend. Um, you know, and we've ended up with more points than we did last season when we finished higher. So um, I think the platform's there uh, going into next season. You know, we can look at the progress, the steady progress that's been made. Big summer in front of us. Um, we probably won't have the same... Amount of uh, turnover in terms of players as we had last year, but obviously we've got a number of positions we need to add to and and improve on. So, yeah, a big a big summer ahead for us, uh, as indeed any transfer window is.
4: Yeah, a form had definitely improved in the second half of the season, as you mentioned there, particularly over the final 10 games. Have you seen signs of promise that can be carried into next season?
2: Yeah, I think so. I think everybody is um, you know in, in terms of in terms of in and around the first team uh, that they've got we've got that sort of um, you know sort of, sort of collective identity coming through. Um, obviously uh, we um, the, the five lone players we had uh, will return to their parent clubs. Uh, we thank them for their contribution to the football club. Yes, we'd love to have a number of them back. Um, but that decision obviously is 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 gonna be out of our hands and you know people like Gavin Bazunu are gonna be destined for really, really big things, whether it's at Manchester City or or, or higher up next season. So we've been very, very fortunate to, to have those players on board. Uh we've seen the improvements that some players have made as the season has gone on. Um, you know, we start with the likes of, you know, George Hurst um and the way that his confidence Uh, And the way that the supporters really backed him as he sort of turned a really, really big corner uh, just before Christmas and had a, you know, tremendous end to the season. So we have, we have those players. yeah, we want to look into the loan market again next season, and nearly every club does um, you know, below the Premier League, uh, looking at where you can get you know really good value coming in. But we also we want to be looking at strategy. We want to be looking at uh, you know, bringing in maybe some younger emerging talent into the team as well. Uh, players that are going to add real value uh, to the football club. Players um, that um, you know, uh, you know, are on their own journey um, to improve, and uh, that's going to be very much part of some of the things that we're doing. We're bringing in a um, a, a new director of football um, who hopefully will be with us, you know, as soon as they're able to, uh, you know, to, to 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 come to come here. Um, so we we are, you know, we're really really looking forward to a busy summer ahead discussions with a number of players um, both those that um, we have options on in the squad uh, one or two that are out of contract Uh, we're speaking to them as well to see whether you know we can between us agree terms for next season Uh, and we're already in the market um, talking to players uh, that we believe will come here we've got an interesting scenario this summer um, and I don't know if this is widely acknowledged but In the EFL, you've always been able to sign new players, register new players into your squad the minute your last game of the season is over. Uh, FIFA, though, have put pressure on the FA to change that and the summer transfer window should last no longer than 12 weeks. Um, So we're we're, we're in a position now where that has been enforced on the EFL. So for us, we're unable to register any new players uh, until the 10th of June so um, that's a different dynamic to this season and of course you can still get deals agreed uh, with new players coming in Uh, you can get the paperwork done but actually it doesn't carry any validity until the 10th of June so you know we've got to you know hope that some of those uh, if we can get Things agreed um, everything's honored by the time we come round to that particular date so that's a nightmare dynamic that every football club is going to be faced with this season um it doesn't affect your own players so you know you can still continue to discuss and agree and get uh, you know new contracts signed and options exercised as well but in terms of new players we're all in the same boat there so it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds over yeah. the next four weeks
4: so now, as chief executive, what have you got to do now during the summer to ensure that this football club climbs higher up the table to be competing for promotion next time around?
2: Yeah, work with um, work with Danny as hard as we you know, as hard as we possibly can to try and. You know, Danny will identify players uh, and will want to use you know the available uh, budget that he has in the most optimum way. Uh, then it's down to myself and Tony Brown to work through the deals with players and agents uh, once those players have identified and terms have been agreed so we get the best value. So yeah, I'll be working very, very hard on that, um, hopefully concluding the appointment of a new director of football to come in who not only will assist us on recruitment um, but will be engaged in other areas as well, the football operations, so aligning our sports science, medicine, analysis and the academy, you know, all as one unit and working on some of those operational. Uh, factors that uh, you know do distract Danny and myself um, in a way that uh, that extra support is going to be invaluable to us, so a really really big appointment for portsmouth football club we 've um, well down the process we 've seen some fabulous people with some really good credentials, uh, people with good track records, particularly in and around this level, um, and this is a permanent appointment. Um, you know, um, it's not a transient one as other roles in football clubs can be. This is somebody that we really want to be with us for the, for, you know, for the long term um, and can, uh, you know, really work with us to take the football club um, into it, you know, forward and make those progressions that our supporters are desperate to see uh, as we get up uh, and, and, and aim towards championship football and a regular place in championship football yeah. and hopefully then looking beyond.
4: And in regard to league position, we just heard here on the show from Andy Redman and Eric Eisner, their ambition is to finish as high as possible and aim for the automatic promotion places. In your opinion, what
2: is the aim for Pompey next season? I think it's exactly that. Uh, we have to start off with that. If you don't start off with that ambition, um, then you're not going to attract players to come in. Um, and, you know, we, we, we go into that. We're going into a very, very competitive division again next season with clubs that are coming down, clubs that were expected to go up this season um, that uh, haven't haven't achieved those ambitions themselves. But uh, yeah, we want to finish as high as we can. We do think we set the platform, we've raised the bar in the second half of the season uh, and that very much is the, uh, the benchmark going into the new season.
4: What's equally as important as signing new players is retaining the ones we already have who still have a place in the team. How are talks going with those whose contracts are set to expire this summer?
2: Over the next week, um, we will be making final decisions on uh, the players that we have options on, and that will be communicated uh, to supporters next week, um, as, as, as we agree and, and, and have spoken to all those players. Uh, Danny's had a very very busy week speaking individually to each player, um, so that they are uh, really um, so that they're aligned to to, to to where the club wants to go and where we and, and, and you know and, and, and their own futures and. Where where we you know we see those development opportunity players out of contract we're in discussions with all of those so again they know where there's an offer on the table or whether there's not one going to be made to them so everybody um will you know has clarity yeah. and uh, but you know some players at this time of year because it's their prerogative um, an offer might be on the table. Um, they may want to use that just to bank it and see what other options might be available. But those we want to sign, we very much hope that uh, you know, they see their futures uh, at Portsmouth, at least for another season uh, and beyond. And that we can, uh, we can all move together to progress the club because you know, we did finish with a real unity. We finished with real purpose and we do want to build on that.
4: Okay. on to the stadium now. Recently revealed images show that South Stand Works have really kicked on. All the seats have been ripped up and the old historic architecture is beginning to show again. How important is it to you to not only have the stands revamped and brought into the modern age in terms of facilities, but also keeping some of its old school character when it comes to the design?
2: Yeah, well, it's really important, I think, to our owners um, when they make a decision to... Uh, stay at Fratton Park and not look at uh, maybe building new stadiums uh, you know, away from the island because there wasn't many options no. on, on the island itself. Uh, they, you know, they, they have full respect uh, for the architecture Um, you know not just the stadium but the south stand in terms of revealing all those trusses which we can now see and making a real feature of them Um, looking about how we can enhance it you know the new tv gantry which won't be completed this year but over the next two years uh, will start to take shape Um, Very, really important. Um, But most important is uh, people's safety. And uh, as we know, um, the the stand as it was uh, was not in great shape, and that had led to a number of restrictions being placed on capacity. So, you know, we're going to get more spacious gangways, uh, we'll get uh, more uniformity of uh, seats uh, and, 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 and the platforms. We create better facilities around the stadium for our disabled supporters, which are quite shocking at Fratton Park, I have to say. Um, But we'll see improvements there as well Uh, in terms of the concourses uh, and uh, an opportunity for supporters, you know, to have that full experience when they come to Fratton Park. Really, really important. So, for example, in the lower tier, we've never been able to serve alcohol because of the view of the pitch, but that all changes. So we again we get to a to a to, to a really really good position in terms of improving. The experience of people using the south stand and indeed the north stand as well in the upper we create much bigger bars yeah. um, by creating more floor, floor space we've had people in this week um, looking at new seats in the north stand lower um, i think people have been pleasantly surprised by the amount of legroom that they've had i think that their, 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 their expectations have been exceeded in that respect Um, we've had the ability to um, move make sure that we've got people together where people on their initial sort of uh, allocation of seats maybe have been dislocated from friends um, those that have been in and called us I think in nearly every case we've been able to resolve those issues so that's really really important South Stand more challenging um, because whereas in the North Stand we gain extra seats um, you know more than 600 new seats come into the North Lower we actually lose seats in the South Stand because of the way the stands profile so um, we can use more seats, obviously, than we've been able to in the last five years because we get all our capacity restrictions lifted. But in total, the number of available seats uh, goes down because the stands reprofiled. Uh, we lose the seats under the hanging basket. Yeah. And of course, we lose. Um, um, and then, of course, the, the front seats will come right onto the pitch yeah. as opposed to go down into the moat. So um, we have got some particular, um, more challenges perhaps there in terms of making sure that we do our best to supporters to be able to, um, in the new profile stand with rows more uniform, protecting the integrity of our seats, uh, keeping people together slightly more challenging. But again, we've got a great bunch of supporters we're working with on a working group to help us make sure we get the communications right. And uh, we'll get the North stand more or less sorted over the next uh, couple of weeks. And then we move into that South stand phase.
4: And just finally, with stadium works developing deep into the summer, we understand there's been a request for the Blues to play their first league game of next season on July 30th, away from home. You and I spoke not so long ago about the plans for the first few weeks of a new season. Could you just explain to our listeners a rough expectation of the club's situation off the pitch when it comes to fixtures and the stadium redevelopment in and around the July and August period?
2: Yeah, sure. The fixtures will be announced around about June 23rd, 24th, I believe. Um, we then have to run a test event in the South Stand because of it, the way it's been completely remodelled. So we will look to do a pre-season friendly, um, probably at the Saturday before the season starts on July the 23rd. Um, that means that we can fulfil the obligation on us to test. of the stand we can't go more than that but if that test event goes successful um, then we get the licence to use the stand for the first game of the season. If we need to make some modifications at least then we've got a fortnight by asking for our first game to be played away. There's no guarantee the league will um, give us that but um, I think they'll be sympathetic because of the stadium works that are going on. Um, Traditionally um, the, the, the way the season works is you go uh, the first Saturday, then you have a Tuesday game, either a league match or a cup match, and then you go the following Saturday. This year, um, the league are not running a midweek game in that first week, so we will go Saturday, Saturday, and then um, the Caribou Cup will go the following Tuesday. So that means that, um, you know, it gives us a fortnight after that pre-season friendly to... Uh, to, to, to um, meet our obligations uh, under the safety regulations, get that licence accepted so that people have the confidence they get straight into their seats uh, for the first game, league game of the season. Now, in the South Stand, the concourses won't be completed probably until about October, November time, um, but there will be sort of temporary concessions yeah. put in place um, so that people can continue to enjoy food and drink um, when they're at the football here at Fratton Park.
4: A big cheers to club chief executive Andy Cullen for agreeing to speak to us this morning and taking the time out of his day to give his verdict on Pompey's campaign, as well as an update on contract negotiations and stadium work too. Moving on now, and before we sign off for the season, we're going to take a listen to Gavin Bazunu's final interview as a Blues player. He sat down this week with Johnny Moore, who first asked the Manchester City youngster if his time on the South Coast matched or exceeded his expectations.
6: Yeah, um, I suppose I wasn't too sure what to expect when I came. You know, I was really excited. I was just looking forward to it. And yeah, I mean, it's blown blown, uh, my mind in terms of uh, how much I was... The reception was so good for me here and I've, I've enjoyed every moment of it and you know I couldn't have asked for anyone better to work with than the staff here you know Danny and Nicky and the rest of the staff Pokey have all been absolutely brilliant with me and I've loved every moment of it. Do you feel in the last year you've improved as a goalkeeper? 100% yeah I, I can't can't speak highly enough of how, how much the staff have helped me here and allowed me to express myself and you know to to not just go out and perform, but also to make the, those errors and to, to continue to back me whenever I have and allow me to learn from my mistakes and improve. And you signed off from Fratton Park with probably the best win
8: of the season.
6: Yeah, I mean, it was a, an incredible team performance. You know, after the first half, we were 2 0 down, but I don't think we deserved to be. They were ruthless in the two chances we, that they had, and we, we had a few chances that we weren't able to take, but in the second half, you know, it was an absolutely brilliant send off, as you said.
8: Is Portsmouth something you'll always look back on and look at their results now?
6: Yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll definitely keep in, in touch with how Portsmouth are doing. You know, I, I can't speak highly enough of how, how welcoming the crowd and the whole club have been. And, you know, that was the main thing I was looking for when, when I came from Rochdale, Rochdale last season. And obviously because of COVID, I hadn't played in any stadiums that were full. And to come to Fratton Park and to, to play in that atmosphere in an amazing stadium, it was a really great experience for me.
8: I mean, if we had save of the season, you'd probably have 10 or 11 in there. I mean, have you got a favourite one? Or can you remember one?
6: Um, no, no specific one, I don't suppose. No, no, no. I just like all the ones that stay out of the net, to be honest.
8: <laughs> Do you look back at this Portsmouth team now and think this team can go on and, and win something? I,
6: I definitely think so, yeah. I mean, um, Danny and Nicky have been brilliant with us over the season and I think the more time they have to put their identity on the squad. um, I think the the better opportunity they have to to kick on and improve from, from this season. Do you have
8: any idea now what your future holds? Will it be going back to Man City and pushing for a place
6: there, loan to a championship club or could end up back here? I've, I've absolutely no idea but I'm open to, I'm open to everything. Um, I've got to go and meet some people at Manchester City and see what they have to say. Uh, but like I said my, my, my aim is just to go out and play again. I, I've got to continue to get games under my belt and keep these experiences coming. Um, so I mean whatever they say, I'll, I'll take into consideration and I'll make the best uh, best choice I can.
8: They will have obviously monitored you so do you get any feedback from that?
6: Yeah, I speak to Xavi, who's the goalkeeper coach, uh, once, sometimes twice a week. Uh, he's absolutely brilliant. You know his his um, knowledge of the game, and his advice is, you know, it's I can't compare it to anything else. So everything he says, I hold on to it, and I, I try to use it because everything he says is so so important to me. And though not connected
8: to Pompey, one of your highlights of the season has to be the penalty save from Ronaldo.
6: Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's definitely a special moment, and it's. It's one that I hope that I can, you know, recreate again sometime in the future and even more if, if anything, you know, to, to play at that highest level and uh, to perform is, um, is my ultimate goal and I suppose everyone's goal as a professional footballer is to, to perform against the best. Do you watched
8: his penalties in advance or did you just go the right way or, or what happened?
6: Yeah, yeah, I'd been watching. I have obviously would have watched Ronaldo many times um, as, as all football fans would, but especially the night before, the day before the game, I would have been watching back on his last 10, 15 penalties and seeing if there was any connection I could make between you know, his run-up and which side he was going to go and um, it was brilliant that I was able to guess right. Well, listen mate, wherever you end up, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much.
4: Well, there we have it then. Gavin Bazunu's final interview as a Pompey player. Really looking forward to seeing his career develop. Okay, before we go, I mention first of all to a new book that Blues fans can soon get their hands on. Pompey Chimes, Pompey Times gathers together a treasure trove of memories and memorabilia that will strike a chord with every Blues supporter aged 9 to 90. Reading this gives you a chance to relive all the ups and downs in the club's rollercoaster ride. Author Sean Simpson, also known as the North Stand Critic, delves deep into the priceless clutter in his unofficial Pompey Museum and the very best of his popular columns for the Sports Mail. To purchase a copy, you can either find Sean on Twitter at Pompey Times or head over to conquereditions.co.uk. That's conquer, C-O-N-K-E-R, editions.co.uk. Well, that's it then. The 2021-22 season comes to an end here on Express FM, as does the Football Hour for the time being. I'd like to send a huge thank you to each and every one of my guests who joined me throughout the course of the campaign. Thank you to everybody who came on and agreed to be interviewed for the show cheers to stagecoach south for supporting the show once again and of course thank you so much to all of our fantastic listeners for tuning into the football hour especially those who got in touch via the text tweets and emails it really wouldn't have been possible without your help Whilst Pompey's season may not have entirely gone the way we would have hoped, we've had an absolute blast covering it here on Express FM. A big thank you to my Pompey Live colleague Robbie James for his support throughout the year, and a shout out to those who keep the football shows going behind the scenes. Producers Mason Jordan and Tom Atkins, Connor Mosley for his help with some of our features, also Henry Deacon for covering from time to time, and Matt Drabble too for his assistance with the Haven to Waterloovil roundups every weekend. Right, let's look ahead to the 2022-23 pre-season and here are some of the key dates for your diaries. In June, the summer transfer window is expected to open on Friday the 10th. Pompey is set to return for pre-season training on Monday the 20th and the fixtures for the Blues sixth League One campaign will be released on Thursday the 23rd of June. The new EFL season starts on Saturday the 30th of July with a championship game expected to be selected for TV broadcast the evening before on the 29th. The first round of the Carabao Cup is penciled in for the week commencing the 8th of August with the second round a fortnight later the first group stage fixture in the Papa John's Trophy will likely be played on the week commencing August 29th, with the final held on March 19th, 2023. The transfer window closes at 11pm on Thursday the 1st of September, and going deep into the tail end of the season, the final day is currently scheduled for Saturday the 6th of May, although that could be slightly altered beforehand, and the final of the League One playoffs will be held at Wembley on Sunday, May 28th. The Football Hour will return in July, with a definite date to be confirmed in due course. Keep an eye out on our social media platforms at ExpressFM on Twitter, facebook.com forward slash Live, as well as our website expressfm.com to make sure you remain in the loop with when our coverage of Pompey's new season kicks off. But until then, for the final time this season, Blues fans, have yourselves a great evening. Enjoy your weekend and as well, please have a wonderful summer. Thank you for listening to another season of the Football Hour. Take care, play at Pompey and I'll see you again right here on Express FM in July. Good night.